All right, you should have a sermon outline, which you can find online in our order of worship, uh, and you can download that. You'll find it helpful because I'm going to be moving pretty fast through my material today. And we're taking a break from the Gospel of Matthew because it's Volunteer Appreciation Sunday, and I want to read to you one of my favorite passages when I think about the life of the church. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What we've seen today with crystal clarity is that the church is not a building, is it? The church is people. Building is just a tool. The church is people. And what this means is that it means that we need you. We need you. Not to fill slots in an organizational chart. We need you because God gave you to us. Understand? God gave you to us because we need you. And He loves us so much that He gave you to us. And we belong to each other in the body of Christ. One of the great marks of church health is when people love each other and serve each other. And that's what this passage teaches. I hope it's highlighted in your Bible. Let's just walk through it quickly here. The first point jumps right off the first phrase in verse 8. Look at it with me. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. And he says, above all. What does that mean? Above all means most important, right? I've, I've talked a lot. Here's the preacher. He's talked a lot. You know, you're trying to keep your eyes open. And then he says, above all, now you sit up. Okay, what, what is he going to say? Love each other earnestly. In the great chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, Paul lists all the gifts, all the spiritual gifts. They're magnificent. It's a magnificent panoply of the giftedness of the church of Jesus Christ. And then he concludes, and these three abide, faith, hope, and what? Love. And the greatest of these is love. And Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, you show the world that you are my disciples if you love one another. And the Apostle John, so that's Paul, that's Peter, and that's Jesus. Now the Apostle John says we love because he first loved us. 
Then he says, for love covers a multitude of sins. Where did that come from? Why does he? Well, he's anticipating that you're going to have an objection. It's easy to love these three guys we just ordained as elders. I just love these guys. We all love them. They're lovable. But what about the people who aren't so lovable? <laughs> you mean I have to love those sinners in the church? For love covers a multitude of sins. And as God has covered your multitude of sins, and maybe somebody's watching or listening saying, what, what do you mean my sins are covered? I never thought my sins needed... What, what's this covering of sins? Do you remember the Passover? Do you remember back when the Passover lamb was slain and the blood was over the doorpost of the entrance to the house? And the destroying angel in the judgment of God was coming with the wrath of God upon the sins of Egypt. And he came to the blood that covered the people of God. And he hovered over them to stop the destroying angel. And your sins, the multitude of your sins have been covered in the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you. These next weeks in Matthew's study, we will see the terrible and wonderful cross portrayed for us. But if your sins are covered, you can get along with and love the other sinners too. That's what Peter is saying. You know, I'm going to let you down. You're going to let somebody else down. That's going to happen. But love, love covers a multitude of sins. And then he gets very concrete in this love business. And he says, offer hospitality. What is that? Well, if God is a welcoming God, God's people should be welcoming people who welcome other people with the welcoming love of God. And this is interesting. The word hospitality, see, some of you who like word studies, is philiozenos. Xenos, xenophobia, that's fear of strangers. Philia, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, philia, brotherly love of strangers. That's what hospitality is. Not xenophobia. How about philiozenos, love of people who are new to you. It's easy to have your buddies into your home, but have you learned to display the welcoming love of God to other people who don't normally cross your door path and, and for you to say, welcome. I'd like to get to know you, and I want to take and spend some of my money. Spend some of my time. Cook some of my food and share some of my beverages with you to bless you and that I might get to know you just a little bit better. The church of Jesus Christ through the centuries has been known for her hospitality and her welcoming spirit and that should be true of us collectively. Oh, brothers and sisters, this past year and a half, one of the great tragedies of the pandemic has been that the church has had, because of the pandemic, to cease hospitality. 
Can we get it back? Can we get it back? I don't know. I'm praying. Wednesday night prayer group, we're praying. Because people are comfortable in their homes now. And I don't have to be bothered with people coming into my home. The CDC told me. So I can sit home comfortably in my house and watch my TV and read my books and my papers and play my video games and it's quite nice. But Peter tells us, offer hospitality. Church, every month we want to do something. Here's next Saturday night. We're saying, come, let's gather together and celebrate God together. Maybe some, those of you who are new to our church who've never been to one of Sal Sprofero's feasts will come and be with us. And then we have the church picnic in July. Come on down to Roosevelt Park. And then we have VBS welcoming the children of the world to our vacation Bible school. We're going to be showing hospitality, okay? The snack ladies are getting ready for those children. And do it without grumbling. That's what Peter says. Do it without grumbling. Well, yeah, why would you grumble? Here's why you'd grumble. Because it costs you your money, your precious money and your precious time and your precious food. I'd rather keep it for myself. But that's not your heart. I know that's not your heart. Because we do it without grumbling. And we remember the words of Jesus who said, remember I was hungry and you fed me? And you said, what? When did I feed you? And Jesus says, whenever you did it for the least of these, I was the one who came to dinner. So that's the first point, love one another. Second point, love some more. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves, serves with the strength God supplies. And this is just the concrete expression of the reality we just saw earlier in the service. If you're just watching the sermon online from the archives, we just celebrated dozens and dozens of people who God has given to us who serve in the life of our congregation. And Peter says in verse 10 two words that I love, each and received. Interesting. To each was given. That means there's no exemptions. What's the 4F exemption in the selective service? You know, you get out of the draft and you don't have to... Uh, Go to the army. No exemptions. The Bible says every one of you is uniquely wired and gifted by God. Every one of you. And so you should be asking yourself, I wonder what my gifts are, my talents, the unique ways God wants to use me. And then it's the word received. And I like that. Because it's all of grace. No room for pride in the body of Christ, right? No room for pride. What do you have that you have not received? That's why th there should not and there are not turf wars 
in, in the North Shore Community Church. You know, when I'm using my gifts, it's just because God has give them, given them to me, and I'll do what He wants me to do. It's received. It's not earned. It's not because if, if you're a great singer, it's not because you're a better person. If you're an elder in the church, it's not because, of your, uh, because you're better than everybody else. If you're teaching Sunday school, whatever gifts you have, they're received. So we're humble. Each has received, and we're required to be stewards. Now that's an interesting word. What is a steward? Does anybody know? Well, I know this. A steward is not an owner. A steward does not own the stuff that he's taking care of. He's just using it and managing it for the owner. We usually talk about this in terms of money, right? Preacher gets up and he says, well, you're steward of all that you have, and we hope that you'll give some so that the ministry of the church can pay their bills, and that's called stewardship, and we have a stewardship Sunday. Peter's not talking about money here. He's saying your gifts, your talents, your time, your abilities that God has uniquely wired into you. Listen, some of you are task-oriented. God made you task-oriented. But we've got tasks that need to be done in the body of Christ. Some of you are people-oriented. You just love people. You're comfortable with people. You like to, to be, meet new people and bless people. You're people-oriented. We need people-oriented people in our groups, assisting in our ministries, along, coming alongside other folks. Some of you are highly structured. What's the German word, Dorothea? Ordnung. You like order. You're structured. You're on time. Boy, do we need people who are disciplined and on time. Some of you are unstructured. That is, you're laid back. You can go with the flow. You can adjust. You can adapt. You're comfortable, uh, and, and nothing frazzles you. you are uns you're an unstructured person. You know, we need people that are unstructured who can relax and just be along someone whose heart is broken. Who says, we've got a change of plans. I'm ready to go. You see, some of you have the gift of teaching. He said, uh, stewards of the oracles of God. Huge part of our church is the passing on of what God's Word says to God's people. Some of you are, like I said, task-oriented. It's deed ministry for you. You don't want the spotlight. You want to serve behind the scenes. And you're comfortable doing that. We have a core value in this church. Every member ministry. Every member ministry. Use it. Use your gifts to serve. Do you have a ministry mindset? And then point three, it says on the back side of your outline, it says, give me strength. Where does the power come from? This is really interesting. Where does the power come from? 
training seminars, well, those are good. How do I, do I get training to be a Sunday school teacher? Yeah, we'll do that. But this is so interesting. When he says, when you are doing a discipling, teaching, training, uh, preaching, witnessing, evangelism ministry, he says, it's not your opinion that matters. It's not your ideas that matter. He says, you who are involved in the teaching ministries, you are holding the oracles of God. The power is in the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful like a double-edged sword. Where does the power come from in the ministry of this church? It comes as the Word of God is unpacked, unfolded, applied, and taught to us so that we know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. We never apologize for the preaching of the Bible, the teaching of the Bible. There's power in the Word of God. You say, yeah, but I'm not a teacher. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those servants, task-oriented people. And I'm tired, frankly. And what does Peter say? You serve with the strength God supplies. And that's true for the teachers, too. You come to the Lord before you do anything. You say, Lord, I'm not going to rely on my cleverness, my wit, my charm. I need you. I need you to fill me with your spirit because I know you're calling me to serve, Lord, to be alongside, shoulder to shoulder, with my brothers and sisters in the life of the church. I know you're calling me to serve, to get off my seat and to engage in the church and in the mission in the world. Empower me, Lord, and he will with the strength God supplies. Martin quoted Keith Green's song, uh, Sleep in the Light. It's a, it's, a, it's a song criticizing the church for being asleep in the light. And Keith Green, as he sings it, he crescendos, he crescendos and he says, Jesus rose from the dead! And you can't even get out of bed. <laughs> Ouch. But you can serve as God reorders your priorities and energizes your soul and gives you a ministry mindset. You know, my wife was with Rosemary Miller once many years ago, and they were talking about what it's like to come to a small group meeting or come to a church service, especially when the preacher is boring. Rosemary said to her, you know, Nina, whenever you come to a church service or to a small group, you will be blessed. But don't go to the small group meeting in order to be blessed. Go in order to bless. Go in order to be a blessing to someone there in the group. When you go to church on Sunday morning, make sure you have a, a, a ministry mindset to minister to God with your praises, and to someone else that God puts alongside you that morning to say, how are you? And then you listen, and you say, do you mind if I pray for you? And to be a blessing. And Nina has done that at my side for 40 years. It's been the most amazing thing to watch how she does that. Could we all have that kind of ministry mindset? I don't go to be blessed. 
I go to be a blessing. And then I'm blessed in the midst of it all. And why do we do it? Last point, we do it for God's glory. Why do all those volunteers do what they do? Well, every little Presbyterian boy and girl learns the first question of the shorter catechism. That question goes like this. What is the chief end of man? Do you know the answer? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's right. Do you see that? The chief end of man, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And Peter concludes this great passage saying, To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Our, you know what? I hope everybody who serves just feels good about being used by God. Your self-esteem rises a few levels. That's fantastic. I hope that you feel like you're doing your part and you're belonging on the team. That's right. That's great. But the main thing is that what you do, you do for His glory, for the glory of God. Don't think the Christian life is about just avoiding embarrassing God. You know, I don't want to shame God. I don't want to bring shame to His reputation. Yeah, that's important. That's important. If that's all the Christian life is for you, you know, your parents are always saying, don't you do that, don't you talk like that, don't you go there, don't you say that. Okay, I don't, I won't, I won't. If that's all the Christian life is for you, you are missing out. Because God has called and equipped you to serve with the strength He supplies and to Him be glory forever and ever do I hear an amen? Amen. So now, I'm going to give you the opportunity to give yourself all that you know yourself to be back to the Lord. I want the musicians to come forward now. And we are going to pray together the words of this closing song. And the Lord is going to take you and touch you. And I pray that He's going to touch you and answer the question, Lord, where and how do you want me to serve? Okay? So let's stand together. This will be our closing prayer before the benediction. And let's sing this together. When you're ready, Michael, don't have to rush. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be 
and Mark Wachter and Eric Newell would go after the benediction outside down by the table. Audrey Connolly, who has a gift of hospitality, has baked cupcakes and sheet cakes in order to bless you three. Now, I'm not asking everybody to shake your hand. We still have social awareness, but if you want to at least congratulate these three brothers, they're going to be down by the cake outside near the holly trees, and you might greet them and greet each other. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him 
that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, oh, oh.